if you don't do way scary things regularly, you're just going to sit kind of pigeonholed where you are and everyone else is going to pass you by. What's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Krimitzos. If you are passionate about growth in your business, if you are growing a purpose-driven business and you want access to education, to resources, and to other amazing businesswomen who can help you do it better every single day, then this is the podcast for you. I have a big secret for you. You do not have to struggle for years to create a profitable and purposeful business that you actually enjoy showing up for every day. It takes three things to create relatively fast results, clarity, focus, and intentional actions. These are the three things I continue to provide support and accountability for, for my private coaching clients, and it's work that seriously lights me up. And it gives them accountability, guidance, strategy, and massive mindset shifts along the way. If you are ready to give up the struggle and have your best year yet in the year ahead, then apply today for my one-year private coaching program. From March 2019 through March 2020, I'm working deeply with just a handful of driven, passionate, and determined women entrepreneurs who are ready to step into their greatness and finally see the results they know that they deserve. And as of now, just six more spots remain. To find out more about my one-year private coaching program and how it can benefit you, go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash my big year and apply today. P.S. Yes, I'm totally on maternity leave right now as you're listening to this. And yes, I am responding to applications as they come in. They are so much fun to read. I know that you have a big why, and I know that you have the fuel inside of you to make the shift from just getting by to truly having the business of your dreams. And that is what I'm here to support in my one-year private coaching program. I can't wait to see your application. bizwomenrock.com forward slash my big year. Do you consider yourself to be a maker? According to Sue Monheit, you're a maker if you are someone who creates something tangible that you sell, jewelry, bakery or food products, crafts, artistry. Many of us business owners are makers. And the reason I brought Sue on the show today is because she is a genius at helping makers approach their businesses as businesses so they can ultimately build companies that allow them to produce products that they love and enjoy the process of doing it. The years Sue spent in her corporate job helping small and large companies with their products acted as a powerful education when she started her first business, the Ribbon Print Company, 10 years ago. This multi-six-figure business helps supply businesses who want to make custom print ribbons. Along her own journey of building her successful maker business, she came across so many people who wanted to do business with her or who craved to make their own crafts or hobby into a thriving business, but just couldn't figure out how. That's when Sue launched her podcast and business, Gift Biz Unwrapped. 
Under this umbrella, she provides education, support, and resources to help all sorts of makers build a profitable business that they love. So during this conversation, Sue shares the mindset needed to look at your business now. Whether you've just toyed around with the idea of making money from your craft, or you've been doing so for a while but aren't doing it as successfully as you'd like. She shares about the order to follow to build a successful maker business. Yes, there is an order, according to Sue. From the visioning to identifying your unique special power to your branding, step by step. She talks about a handful of practical strategies to leverage social media right away. And the specific challenges that makers have and the ideas on how to get through those challenges. Whether you consider yourself a maker or not, Sue's advice is spot on for any and all businesses. So let's get things started with Sue Monheit. Sue, what's going on, girl? I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here, Katie. Uh, Okay, I've been waiting for this conversation for a long time. And just in our pre-chat, I'm like, oh my God, there's so much good stuff. You and I could literally... (laughs) geek out on business, I think, for at least a couple of weeks nonstop. Yeah. You know, I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm coming down to see you and we'll do that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And you listening are going to know exactly why I feel that way within just a couple of minutes of this episode. I guarantee it. I want to dive right to the heart of what I feel is your specialty and what makes you so unique in your business and who you provide value for. I want this hypothetical scenario. I am what you call a maker. This is hypothetical, by the way, because I don't feel like I fit this crowd at all because I don't think that I'm creative in this way. I'm going to go with it. Envision this. I'm a maker. You call that somebody who has taken a hobby, something that is like a craft that they make, artistry that they make, edible goods, like bakery goods, food, all of that sort of stuff that they make in their spare time. They really enjoy it. It's something that they love. I'm someone who does that. And let's say I make killer brownies. And I keep having people tell me that I should sell these brownies because they're so good. I start to make little sales here and there, just saying yes to people who want to buy them from me. But you have the mentality and the mindset that if I really wanted to make a business out of this, then I have to start with a very specific agenda. I have to start with a very specific mindset. So I want to dive in there. Where do I have to start? Where does this amazing woman listening right now who has this craft, who has this specialty skill, who makes something really beautiful that other people would really want, where does she need to start? With what mindset? You have hit right into the first core problem that there is. And that is lots of times this idea and this vision that someone will have didn't even come from them initially. Someone else has said to them, your brownies are so delicious. You should start a business. That jewelry, that necklace is gorgeous. Can I buy one from you? Because my sister's birthday's next week. I don't have anything. This will be so great right? So lots of times these businesses start, not wrong, not wrong, but from someone else presenting the idea to somebody. And then what happens is they go right into, oh, yeah, I can make a lot of money. I've seen people on Etsy. I've this, that. What am I going to name the business? And they dive right into what I'd call like step three, four, and five of starting a business 
And then guess what? It doesn't work. Mm. They get initial sales from friends and family, but then when they have to go outside of an inner circle of people who are just going to support them because they love them, nothing's working because they never really took the time to set it up right. And it's devastating and it's heartbreaking because they weren't even the ones who were thinking about starting a business, right? Someone gave them that idea to your scenario that you that we started off with here. So when you say mindset, you're really right. You need to start with the right mindset. And that starts with what the vision is of what you want the business to become too. Yes. Because some people maybe just want to make their product for friends and family. You know, and then I'd say it's not really a business. You might be getting some money on the side, but that's a different story. It's not really a true business, if you will. Right. But it starts with mindset. Yeah, I want to just expand on what that actually means in the sense of approaching your gift, your hobby, your craft, whatever it is you're making as a professional and as somebody who wants to create a business out of being able to give this to other people. Yeah, the very first thing, and I don't think this is totally different than any other business, but the very first thing is what are you trying to create? What are you envisioning for yourself? Right? Oftentimes, still, and I love that people think this way, but this is one something that everyone will be able to relate to, is someone will start with my brownies. I'm gonna have a shop on Main Street. It's gonna be awesome. People are going to come in. That way I get to see all my friends all the time because they're going to come in and have brownies with me all the time. Yeah, I'm going to need to be there, but you know what? My kids will stop by after school. They'll bring their kids. It's going to be just so much fun, right? And so people will start off with this vision of what things are going to be. And so the first thing I tell everybody is think about what you think you want and then live there in your mind, live there for a while. Mm. So think that, okay, tomorrow I'm going to have to get up. And if you're a baker, right, I'm going to have to get up at probably five or six o'clock because everything has to be fresh. My shop is going to open for, let's say, coffee at seven, six thirty, something like that every single day, right? Except maybe Sunday or whatever your hours, like live in what you're thinking you want to build. Because so often it looks, and it's always this way, it looks so great from the outside, but when you actually are doing something, it's a whole different picture. Yeah. So the very first thing I say to people is, and this one was an easy one, you know, a shop on Main Street, make sure it's really what you want. What happens when you have a doctor appointment? What happens when the kids can't go to school because school is off or they're sick or whatever? Means probably you're going to have to have employees. Do you want employees? There's right. extra overhead. When you have your vision, the first thing is having your vision, defining what you want to do, and then living in it. And make sure that you really like it, not just the fact that you love that so many people are coming to you and saying, you should turn this into a business. But you love the lifestyle. You love the the realities of living in that business vision will be, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, because that's the first step to actually being successful. I love that you're saying that. And I want to give an example too for a more online version, which might be for people who are like, oh, I could just go to Etsy and sell my stuff online, right? Or I can just set up my website and then people can order through there. And then I'm going to package it in my kitchen, right? So tell me what that vision looks like for there. Same kind of concept is like, live in it. Like, Would you enjoy being online, packaging your stuff, sending it out and 
being available to receive those orders all the time? And what does that look like? Because I would imagine that once people go to step three, four, or five, and they've exhausted their friends and family, and now they've caught the bug of, oh my gosh, people will pay for what I have. And this is awesome, which is a great feeling, by the way. But now I need to actually go find business. I need to actually attract people who don't already know me. And so now I'm starting to search online. Now I'm starting to turn around and start searching. That's when you get all the people who are searching out your podcast and they're searching out for, how do I drive traffic to Etsy? How do I drive traffic to my Pinterest? How do I drive traffic to... How do I create some back office stuff so that I don't have to be the one packaging stuff? Like That's about that time when they're doing that, right? Mm -hmm. And you know what? Both of these are wonderful business models. It's just, do you love what you're building? Right. So I, you know, I don't want to start off like, oh my gosh, maybe it's not for you, but you really just want to make sure that you're really excited about what it will be once you get there. Yeah. That's the big part. So whether, you know, we're talking about baking, baking is a little bit different than jewelry making than other, because when you're in a baking and sweets, you've got perishable items, you know, your inventory will expire. Right. That's a whole different thing too. But having said all of that, when somebody starts a business out of what they make and they're finding that people are buying it and loving it because it's so uniquely theirs, there's nothing like it in the world. Mm. You just want to make sure you're setting it up. So number one, you're going to be profitable because you don't want to spend all this time. And profit, by the way, doesn't mean just covering costs. It means like you have money extra left over. (laughs) <laughs> that you put in your pocket and you you know save or whatever you do with it. There's nothing like that feeling of when it's something that you've created and you've made and you're seeing success with it. It's the best feeling in the world. That's where I try to reach with people is to get them there. You have had what I think is not normal success <laughs> doing <laughs> doing this. I I don't want to say that it's not normal in the negative terms, but like you have built a multi six figure business with Ribbon Print Company for 10 years now. That has launched another company for you, which is where you get to educate people about this. And we'll talk about that story in a second. But was there a point where you weren't doing this right? Was there a point where you kind of had that moment where you needed to shift? And instead of you just sort of like doing this little by little as a hobby, that you were like, hey, I need to actually take this seriously as a business. And what was describe that moment for you and what shifted for you? Okay. The actual answer is kind of no. Yes and no, I guess. But I'll tell you I cheated because my corporate life, I consulted small businesses and boutique businesses and the large big guys. I, you know, We don't need to go with all the names or anything right now. But I saw so much of what worked and what didn't work and got so much training from my corporate life that I think I kind of had a head start already. Got it. You had already learned through that being able to work with all those clients, what is or is not going to work. And watching their failures, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately. And I was not one who left my corporate world because I didn't like it. I loved my job. I loved my kids more. I was traveling all over the country. I was traveling all the time. We had a nanny raising the kids because both my husband and I were gone a lot. Both my kids are okay. Probably better for it than I was at home all the time. I'm not sure. But I wanted to get off the merry-go-round is really a story. My kids were growing. I wanted to be with them. But I loved my job. But so then I stayed home, started another company in between that we really haven't talked about. That also grew into a multi-six-figure business. So I had two businesses where I was able to really figure out 
what the right steps are to starting a business. Because there's also an order, especially for makers. You know, there's also an order of how you do everything. You know, lots of people think you just jump in. I'm going to have, I'm going to make the name of the company and I'm going to start selling and here we go. And that's not necessarily the case. What is that order? I just want to say real quick, I'll start with the order. But having said all that, yes, I've made a million mistakes. And I always will. I'll probably make one tomorrow. <laughs> and, and that's the fact of being in business for yourself. And that's how you grow, I think, too. Because if you don't test, if you don't expand, if you don't do way scary things regularly, you're just going to sit pigeonholed where you are and everyone else is going to pass you by. So in the real answer to your question is, yes, I've made a million mistakes. Mm. I'm not sure which one you'd want to start with. That would turn... <laughs> That would turn our week visit into probably a month, maybe long. <laughs> Girl, in my scenario, like a couple of years. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, you and me. No, oh. we keep one up in each other. What's your worst mistake? I know. Well, I'll tell you one better. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we learn the best from, I believe. I really right. do. Right. I really do. But so to answer your question, I mean, the very first thing is the vision that we were talking about. Yeah. Define where you think you want to go and live in it and make sure it's really what you'd be happy doing when you get there. Mm. You know, that's the very first thing. Very similar for any business, I think. Yeah. And then from there, you start figuring out, can I tell a story? Please. For one of my businesses, one of the companies I have now, it's called the Ribbon Print Company. We sell that product primarily through going out to trade shows. I was in Canada at Canada's Baking and Sweets. I think that's what it's called. Canada's Baking and Sweets Show in Toronto. And it's the first time I had done an international show. And this woman comes up to the booth. I start talking. We start going through our regular stuff. All of a sudden, she's really quiet. She stares at me and she starts crying. Like, I don't even know this woman. And so I said to the person who was helping me at the booth, I'm like, do you have this covered? Like, let me take her. I thought she was having like an emotional breakdown. She caught her husband cheating. <laughs> I didn't know what. Like it was that intense. So out of the blue. But so I pull her over. We find a little table to sit down and talk. She tells me once she composed herself enough to talk that she was so upset because she had had this dream of making cupcakes and starting a cupcake business. And so she came to this event wanting to understand how to start it, all the different things, because there's classes and exhibits, right? And she says there's no room for me. There are so many people. Every single person I'm meeting has a cupcake business. Mm. There's no, so she's seen her dream dying right there in front of her. And that's why she was crying. So to the step two, <laughs> point two, you might have wondered how I was tying all that in. But the next thing you do is you figure out within your market, how can you be different and stand out for what's uniquely you? I call that a unique special power. What is it that you provide? And there are lots of different ways this can happen. But what is it that the market doesn't already have so that you can position yourself differently? And you know the really cool thing about that? What? When you do that, you've provided somebody with a way to talk about you. I'll give you an example in a second. A way to talk about you and also, people will want to go to you because no one else does it your way. And I really just want to iterate, you can always find something unique and special. 
there could be a thousand cupcake creators and every single one of them has their own special way of doing something. So right. yeah, there's always a way to differentiate yourself. Absolutely. But you want to figure that out early on because then that starts leading into the development of your brand. You know, what does your brand stand for in terms of what's the vibe, what's the colors, what's the messaging? You don't want to try and figure it out later when you're not getting sales because then you have to backtrack everything. Yeah. So that's why, as we were talking about, there's a special order. So we have a company right in my area. The company is called The Cookie Joint. They sell cookies, traditional regular types of cookies, but one of their cookies, which is their signature product, is shaped like a French fry. And it's served in a paper bag, like you would imagine. Oh my God, like a churro, right? Yeah. And they have dips as if it was ketchup. I am salivating right now. They have chocolate chip cookies. They have peanut butter and they're called cookie fries. Wow. So if someone wants to talk about the cookie joint, they could say, oh my gosh, yes. They're the ones who have these cookies that are shaped like French fries. It's already a story that spreads the word. It's really easy versus saying, oh yeah, there's this really nice place. It's called the cookie joint and they have great cookies. Right. You've given them a story. I love that. You'll see that a lot in restaurants who are like known for a signature thing or like they're the ones who, almost like Cheesecake Factory, they've built a whole brand around that. That's where you go for amazing cheesecake and even maybe this specific type of cheesecake. But man, their food is good too. Like you'll get everything when you go there, right? But a lot of restaurants have used that where they have a signature thing that then draws people in. That's really interesting. Yeah, signature product is really good. Here's another story. Have you ever been to the bar in Los Angeles called Davy Wayne's? Mm -mm. You enter through a refrigerator door. Interesting. The refrigerator door is like way in the back and you literally, as if you're opening a refrigerator, that is the door to enter. Inside is all 50s, no, I think it's 60s, 70s vibe. But the thing is the door, like people want to go, even if they don't drink, they want to just go (laughs) into the bar to walk through the door, right? So it's stories like that. Now, do you have to be that off the wall? No. And you know what one unique special power is that we all have? Ourselves. Yes. I'm so glad that you said that. I have a story to tell about this. So I have been really, really lucky to have worked one-on-one with Lisa Hetrick. So Lisa, if you're listening, hello. So she has Indigo Jade Art. And she's one of the people I always think about when I think about how to approach your craft as a business. Because she's one of the best people I've ever seen who does this. And it's a rarity, I think, to have that mix and match of like artist and business person, right? Right. So she comes to the table with both of those, which is amazing. She's an artist. And look, there's a dime a dozen artists who are out there trying to sell their products directly to the market, right? Versus trying to do all these other things and trying to go to boutiques and all sorts of stuff. And she really wanted to go directly to her audience of people who wanted her art. So she did that work of what's so special about what I'm doing? How is that in line with my brand? And then how am I, who I am and what I believe in and how I show up, how is that infused into the brand? And so what it created was this gorgeous art that you know is hers right away because she has a very specific artistry. She has a very specific way that she does it. And it's this gorgeous watercolor. It's all these beautiful words like gratitude and crafting your joy. And her tagline is art that makes you feel good. And so everything that she does is about 
loving life, appreciating life, being grateful for where you are, all of those things. The way that she infuses herself into it is that she shows up that way. She's speaking that language. She's telling stories about her own life. Every piece of artwork has a story behind it. And that's just one thing that she does. And that's how she's been able to differentiate herself in her market and makes her type of artistry its own thing. Like you know it when you see it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's so many ways you can do it. Think of like teaks, you know, the shoes, right? With the color, yeah. you know, and the folding. Like there's so many different ways you can do it. But when we're talking about as you as a person and a personality too, Facebook Live and Insta Stories gives you the platform now for people to fall in love with you because you're able to show the artist behind whatever the product is. Yes. So a lot of what's happening now culturally in social media and how we're all now getting ourselves out there because we don't have to ask permission to be on a TV show or whatever anymore allows all of us to do that now. So that's very exciting. I want to talk about this, how a maker can successfully leverage social media. And I would love if you could give just maybe a couple of examples. And I want to preface this conversation by saying there is no one-size-fits-all social media strategy for anyone. You guys have heard me talk a thousand times about purposeful and productive marketing strategies. It is literally different and customizable for every single person. So if you sit here and think that I'm going to... Because I have had massive success with Facebook groups that I think everyone should start a Facebook group. I'm going to tell you, no, that may not be right for you and your brand and what you want to do, right? That being said though... I would love for you to share some ideas and examples maybe of how makers can use social media or very specific social media strategies that have proven to work just to plant the seeds of a couple ways to start expanding their product out to the masses. I think the very first thing is, I mean, I'm gonna, since we already started talking about it, I'm going to start here, is getting yourself behind the camera and showing who you are. And you don't have to be this beautiful model. You don't need your hair all done. Although, Katie, I did say to you, I hope we're not videoing the <laughs> podcast. Uh, FYI, we have both shown up with no makeup and hair all over the place. And I love it. And yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. all good. Yeah. But Facebook Live is the platform to be real and authentic. And guess what? People love seeing things that you think are so obvious. And a maker business has all of the content right there. You just get in a brand new shipment of whatever your product is. You can unbox it and show these are the types of things that we're using. Or here's how we do our inventory. Or this is my favorite part of making this jewelry. I mean, there's a quadrillion things in terms of content makers can do. I've got to tell you one story. I really challenged in one of the conferences I was at, I was doing a presentation on Facebook Live. And I started, I said, I bet you 99.9% of you in the audience are not going to do what I'm going to talk about today. And I'm going to be disappointed in each and every one of you. So (laughs) show me I'm wrong. And so that's when we started Facebook Live, et cetera. I got to tell you, there were people doing Facebook Lives that I would never have expected. And there was this one woman, I'll make the story super short. She just changed her website. She got on, she had no script. It was, I think, one of the first times, if not the first time she'd done Facebook. She just got on and started talking about, go to my website. I want you to see it. It's all done, you know, whatever. 
if you go there, you'll see a button for a free gift basket. So I think she had some draw over there. And so that was all fun. You know, friends went over, et cetera. Next day, she's at the post office. A woman in line recognized her from Facebook Live. And she says, you're the girl who was on Facebook. (laughs) Oh my gosh, my daughter's in the car. I want to introduce you to her. They go out and she's like, what is up with this? They go out into the parking lot. They start talking. More people start coming. It ended up being a whole crowd. She's the celebrity of her town now. That's awesome. (laughs) One Facebook Live from someone I would have never expected to do it. She had more business. She had her corporate clients saying, hey, I saw you. All this stuff from one Facebook Live. So strategy there is get in front of the camera. People want to see the face behind the brand. They want to see the face behind the product. I'll tell you this, my husband, every time we go to a restaurant, he will always look at the back of the menu because he's searching for the story. He wants to know the story of that restaurant. And the ones who do a great job are the ones who tell the story. And my question to you listening is, whether you are a maker or not, I don't care where you are in the business space or what you're selling, When's the last time you've told the story? When's the last time you've actually told your why behind why you actually created what you create? That's powerful. People want to connect with that humanness of it. Such a good point, Katie. And you know, it brings up that sometimes we forget that people aren't all going to go to the website. Sometimes you feel like you've told your story so many times already, but you're always getting new viewers. So not everyone yeah. has heard your story. Yeah. But Facebook Live, you can do crazy things like you spilled something all over the floor, get on and say, you're not going to believe what's going on with my day today. Like you you can be humorous, you can be entertaining, you can be educational, all different ways. And the point is to just do it. And I would add on to that for any social media strategy, remember this, makers especially, you have a practical, tactical product use that for visuals. Like you have a visual product. If you can become really good about taking really high quality pictures, well-lit pictures, taking videos and intermix there, like the not so pretty behind the scenes videos and stuff like that. All of that presents itself so well on platforms like Instagram, on Facebook. Like it's so attractive. And that's, that's a big piece that those of us who don't have a tangible thing that we hand over and give to somebody when they give us money for it, that's something that we don't really have. I mean, we need to make it in other ways and we do, but you already have something that's tangible, make it visible and make it beautiful and interesting. There are lots of challenges to the maker business, but that's not one of them Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So the other thing that I was going to say is we talk about good best practices, if you will, for social media yeah. is also when you do the photos like you're talking about, make them lifestyle shots. What does that mean? So don't just show me the rings on a black background necessarily. Show me someone wearing your ring and stretching out for a glass of champagne or like a lifestyle in the life. Someone is using the jewelry in real life because it helps the viewer see and understand and kind of relate to, well, if I have that ring, my lifestyle can be X. Right, right. And the photos are more interesting. I love that because it puts the person who's looking at that in that situation. So I love that. You mentioned challenges that are very specific to makers. Talk a little bit about that. Give me a couple of ideas of what challenges those folks or me who's going to start a brownie business, apparently. Um, (laughs) By the way, I do not make great brownies. I do make great vegan chocolate chip cookies, though. I got to say that. They're phenomenal. Oh, my daughter will want some of those. um, (laughs) But like, talk about those specific challenges. Maybe just list a few here that 
those who are makers in the industry and really want to approach their craft from a business perspective have? I'll give you three. And the first one goes back to the mindset. It is infuriating when you're working so hard at your business and someone says, oh, that's cute. You're making custom stationery. That's adorable. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, you're selling them? Oh, that's so nice. That cutesy. Pat on the head. Yeah, that's infuriating. I said it the second time. So having the right mindset that you know you're going to get that and you're going to drive through. And if you're really in business and serious about business, recognize that with a maker business, you're going to hear a lot of that in the start. It just is the way it is. Don't listen to them. (laughs) That's why, again, it's so important to figure out where you're trying to go with it so you're very clear. So that's one thing. Second thing is pricing. So many people don't recognize that the skill that they have to make what they do, not all of us have. The expenses that you put into buying the equipment, possibly training to learn how to use equipment if you use a soldering tool or whatever it is, is not something that all of us know, have, do, or could do. When you look at pricing product, it's not just what the costs are to get everything that you're going to put together. It's your time, which is big on just there, but it's also what you've learned and your skill. All of that has value. And so all of that has to go into when you're considering the price of a product. So pricing is a huge one. That's a great point. I love that. Yeah. And that's a lot of times why people will fail. They're selling a ton and they still aren't making any money, but their sales keep going up. It's because their pricing is all off. They're not Mm. making any margin. Got it. That's one. And the third one I'll just bring up, I know for time is scaling. When you're a maker and you make a product, the more sales you make, the more work you've just created for yourself. And there comes a point, depending on your business model, there comes a point where you either have to teach someone else how to make, so you're bringing in other artists. You're still the designer. You're still the creator and the originator of the pieces, but you have someone else then replicate what you've done. You've teach them their skill, you know, whatever it is, or people hire out and go into factories, baking or more artisty type um, products. And then also diverting off into other things that spin off of a product. Like we're talking brownies, maybe with your new brownie business, Katie, (laughs) you might have I don't know, a small little book even that you sold that was teach your children how to love baking. Mm. Or, you know, like, I don't know what, I don't know. That's, I don't know if that's, but you see what I mean? Like it's a spinoff, more of an intellectual type property than a physical property. And maybe you teach people how to make certain things that you make. Maybe you even have patterns. You know, if you're a quilter, you could design patterns and sell patterns online Yes. As well as making your quilts. So there's a lot of ways to spin off and those are all different ways to scale. I love that. And I'm going to use Lisa for another example here because I'm so proud of her for doing this. One of the ways that she has shifted into her model of scale is doing exactly that. So she has downloadable craft templates for specific note cards sets. So you can mm-hmm. download the kit for X amount of dollars. And then a lot of her people who are doing that are DIYers. Like they are crafters themselves. So they just want the kit that they can then use to go make their own stuff. So that's one way. She created it once. It's there. 
it sells, right? Right. And then the other way is that she, over the past couple of months, has become an educator. There's another grouping of people who follow her that are also artists or aspiring artists. And she's really owned the fact that she does watercolor so well and that she's so good about breaking it down into bite-sized, easily digestible, educated pieces so that people really get how to do it. So they're coming to her to learn how to better their craft. And so she's created kind of how-to videos on a couple of great platforms where those people go... And that's what she's doing is she's selling those classes. Again, classes that she... Digital classes that she creates once and are there and can continue to sell. So those are just examples of how you can have both sides and how different ways that you can choose to scale. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people are so afraid. They keep so tight to their chest about what they're doing and how they make something. They're afraid to let it be free. The fact mm-hmm. is, apart from selling for other people like like you just were talking about, the other thing is most people, once they see how to do it and see how hard it is and see that they maybe don't have the skill and the talent to do it, are going to come by from you if they love what it is. Yeah. So you almost are walking people into, oh, this isn't as easy as I thought it was. I'll take four, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love it. Now, Sue, you have positioned yourself out of the need that you have seen in the marketplace as somebody who educates, obviously educates and supports makers so that they don't have to go through those really treacherous ups and downs by themselves so that they can actually start looking at their business and taking their businesses very seriously. You do this through your podcast, Gift Biz Unwrapped. And you do this through your paid membership program, which is called Makers MBA. I love when you explain this to me because it's exactly the missing piece that I feel like most people who are quote unquote running a business, but doing it in the space of whatever creation they are making, their craft, their baked good, their jewelry, that they are missing this piece, which is, hey, how are you approaching this as a business? And so you're able to give that support in a really organized and awesome way, very well-educated way through your Makers MBA program. I'm going to have links to all of these resources, all of Sue's resources in the show notes. You also have a book called Maker to Master where you really help people like, let's find what's not working in your business and now let's make it work and build out a business system for you. So you have done such a good job of just responding to the need in the marketplace. And I want to use that as a 30,000 foot case study of how you have scaled your own business and how right alongside your craft business of Ribbon Print Company you have created an entirely different business, the Gift Biz Unwrapped business that allows you to have this intellectual property and support other makers in this. So I just... A, I give kudos to you for your own business journey. But B, I love that it's so focused on responding to the needs of the marketplace that you are so entrenched in. I think that's such a beautiful case study for how you've done it so well. Well, thank you. You know, it all goes back to listening to your audience and what they need. I have to be truthful. Originally, I was thinking I need to teach people how to create a business so they'll buy the ribbon printer, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But then I saw more people coming up to me where, you know, they're not necessarily going to use the ribbon printer. So then I morphed into, because I was listening and hearing people, well, this needs to be for all makers because I have experience with a variety of different makers. So one thing kind of leads to another. It didn't start off that way, which I think is a good point. I know we're winding down now, but the vision that you make in the beginning 
will probably change over time. And that's okay. You don't have to land it perfectly 100% right at the beginning, but at least you need to know where you're starting and where you're trying to go. And then you can move along the way as your journey continues. Yes. And it will. I mean, it's pretty much guaranteed that it's going to change. (laughs) I am sure you started the ribbon print company 10 years ago. I am sure your vision for it now is very different than what it was 10 years ago. Well, yeah, I kept adding and adding and adding. My yeah. husband has asked me, please, not to start any more business. <laughs> and I've told him, don't worry, I've got plenty here now. We're fine. We're good. <laughs> I think a lot of us are nodding our heads on like, yes, our spouses have probably said that to us once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> and my assistant, when I come back from a show, I'm like, I have an idea. She's yeah. like, oh no, Sue. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I love it. I love What's it. What's the idea? Sue, I thank you so much for bringing your expertise here. I think it's so tangible and so helpful. And by the way, if you have listened through this and you do not consider yourself a maker, you are somebody who has other product or service that does not necessarily fall in this category. I hope that you see that these are universal business lessons that every single one of us can really walk through and really implement so that we are experiencing ultimately the kind of business that we really want to have instead of just kind of doing it by chance, right? And just what I call like a default business, the business that gets created because other people tell us to do X, Y, or Z or suggest it to us and we just kind of do the next thing. This is so foundational and so universal. So Sue, thank you so much for being here and for giving us your expertise and your wisdom. I highly encourage you, if you are a maker and you are nodding through this entire episode please go and check out the show notes for this. You're going to get access to all of Sue's resources that she has for you. I recommend that you go follow her, go check out her stuff, go listen to her podcast, go buy her book, go become a part of her membership community. It is energy very well spent. So thank you, Sue. Katie, this has been so much fun. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. I never take it for granted that you, a very busy and high-performing woman entrepreneur, listens to the Biz Women Rock podcast. If you got any value out of today's show, if there were any aha moments that you had, I would so appreciate you turning around and sharing it with another woman entrepreneur who needs that aha as well. From me and the entire Biz Women Rock team, We'll see you on the next episode.